up on the show today, gearing up for the first day of school. We'll bring you the latest on placements and preparedness. Kumara Malifo quits the DA for Rise in Zanzi, a water summit to discuss the decline of drinking water, two cases of cholera in Limpopo, and Trevor Noah wins an Emmy. All of that over the next hour. 702. Let's walk the talk. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. Lots going on in the world of politics. We'll speak to Kumo Ramolifo, who has quit the DA after 25 years and find out why uh, he has left the Democratic Alliance for Rise Mzanzi. So that'll be a bit later on in the show. If you've got any questions, you can let us know about that. Also, if you have any questions about the situation with drinking water, we will speak to Dr. Sean Phillips, the Water and Sanitation Director General general about that uh, water summit that is currently underway so send that to us 072-7021-702-072-567-1567 but let's start with the situation with schools because we are building up to the first day of school tomorrow for government schools uh, there are still long queues of parents battling to secure school space for their children on the eve of the academic year uh, many frustrated parents complaining about the housing education department online registration process. Uh, some still are waiting to get the approval for the placement of their children across schools in the province. So let's get up to date with us with the Gauteng Education Department, MEC Matome Chilwane. MEC, good afternoon to you. Thank you so much for making time to speak to us today. Uh, firstly, from your perspective, what is the picture on the ground in terms of preparedness and placements? Uh, thank you, uh, thank you uh, to you and uh, good afternoon rather to your new listeners. Um, from our side, in terms of preparedness, we 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 are we are ready uh, uh, for the new academic year entirely. We prepared properly in terms of uh, well, the necessary what we call MTFMs, uh, infrastructure. We've done quite a lot of work on our schools across the province. Um, uh, provisioning for educators where we know that schools have grown. Uh, we've done that process so educators will be allocated as well. So in terms of getting the academic year rolling, we, we, we are, we are, we are, we have got our eye on the bouncing ball. We're more than ready. The issue now, I know that you want to speak about the placement and the choosing artistic offices, uh, which is of interest, correctly so. But, According, but what we you know, what is there now? Uh, we have a case, uh, a rather a case, uh, all that have applied during the period of the, the first initial period of uh, application, uh, which we are sitting at 273,186, uh, 273,000 all in all, and 186. So, what we've done, we have placed uh, parents and we've also offered spaces to parents, all of them. What we're dealing with is uh, parents querying the placement. Uh, and mind you, it's, it's, it's most of, most majority, over 95% of parents, 95, 96% rather, right. have accepted the offers that you've given to them. 
So, so I, I want to just try and understand this, MEC. So are you saying that those who are complaining or may not have placements yet, it's because they're not happy with the placement they've received, not that they have not actually received a placement? Correct. There are some that have come forward to say that they have not actually received a placement yet, that there are problems with the online registration process. Have you picked up these problems or are you saying that that this is not the case? With, there are those that have applied, but they, they, they didn't complete the application process. So some parents assume that once they've come onto the system, yes, we've captured them on the system, but they have not completed the application in terms of providing the necessary documentation. And those parents, those applications we, we are treated as incomplete. So what we, we then initiated a process of assisting those who had incomplete application to requalify. And we managed to get them, we needed to assist. There were over 32,000. So those parents, now we managed to assist six, over 16,000 of them to requalify. And all of them, we placed them. So what we have are those that didn't have incomplete applications, and we should make it very, very difficult. I mean, for instance, some, you might find that there are kids of uh, migrant workers from other countries. They, they don't have IDs. Okay. It's difficult to, them to, to continue. We need information. We need the data so that we can place the child. Are you confident, MEC, that you will be able to place these thousands of people before the school year gets underway tomorrow? Yes, our, we do have spaces, uh, but the spaces are in schools that they don't, some of the schools they don't want. Uh, according to our system, we still have got over 70,000 spaces, but in, in schools that some of the parents don't want to, uh, they don't want. But what we've done, we've said to parents that if we place the child far, we also initiated a provision to provide transport. And we put our scholar transport program in place to support where we realize that, okay, this community has one school, but this is the population of learners. In those communities, we've initiated a provision for scholar transport to take learners to the school that we would have placed the kids. So in terms of holistically within the system, we've got a, it, it, the system... It, uh, it covers every aspect, possible aspect, to ensure that the child gets to school and gets the necessary uh, 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 teaching and education. Okay, so that's in, in terms of placements, and I'm sure that there will be lots of, of reaction to that, some people complaining that the placements are far, as, as you has, have explained. In terms, in terms of preparedness, of um, budget uncertainty, in terms of uh, making sure that there is sufficient um, equipment and stationery, are you satisfied with how that is going? No, that part we 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 long we've long been prepared for it. Uh, I can assure parents and the citizens and the residents of Gauteng that from that aspect they should not even worry or have sleepless nights. We are more than ready in terms of I just spoke about ATSM, which is learner teacher support material. That includes books, that includes tables, that includes desks, stationaries, all all enchanted that is required for a conducive teaching and learning environment. So we, that aspect, we, we've, we've covered it. So we are aware, we've long been prepared as early as November. We knew that this is what the expected population and we prepared for it.
Okay, MEC, best of luck to you and your department ahead of tomorrow. That's the uh, MEC, Gauteng Education Department, MEC Matome Chalwane, speaking to us there about preparedness and about placement. So what is the situation on the ground then? What are parents saying about this? Well, we've got a reporter out visiting school placement centres, a district in Soweto and in Randburg as well. Veronica Mahaudi has been speaking to parents. So Veronica, good afternoon to you. The MEC telling us there that there are still places available at schools. Uh, in most instances, parents have received a placement. They're just not happy with the placement they've received. What are the parents saying to you there? Thanks, Mandy. Good afternoon. Uh, we're going to be crisscrossing across uh, to Hattsburg today to various districts, Mandy, as you said, so we're to Randburg. But currently, we are in Rudderport at the District 12 offices. And of course, following the MEC's words saying that they were prepared for this and that there are placements what I can tell you, Mandy, from on the ground, it's not the case. We have many parents here who have, according to what they say, have post honored the online application, kept up with the deadlines. But the issue, Mandy, is that many of the children here are being placed at schools that are not of the parents' choice. And now, Mandy, the frustration for many of these parents is that not only are some of the schools very far away, but they feel as if though that the education department has essentially stripped them of the ability to pick what's best uh, for their children. We have a parent, Mandy, who has told us that uh, their son, who will be starting grade 8, or at least he's supposed to start grade 8 tomorrow, has been placed in a school of an Afrikaans medium. Mind you, Mandy, that uh, her, her son has only been doing Afrikaans as a second language and now will be forced in high school to, of course, take up Afrikaans as a medium of instruction. So you can understand her frustration to say that, I understand that my son has been placed, but this is not what is best for him. We have another parent, Mandy, um, who spoke to us and um, perhaps maybe you can listen to the recording of just kind of the frustrations and the way they have outlined what the department, of course, says is under control. Take a listen. Hi, it's hectic. We've been here before seven and then the queues are moving so slow. We've been to schools, we submitted the documents, but the children are not yet placed. Even last year, it was the same problem. My girl was supposed to do grade eight. They placed her in a school six or seven thing. So now I'm here again applying for grade nine, hoping she'll get space this year. Sure, Veronica, you can hear the frustration in her voice. And I, as a parent, would be frustrated if I was placed in that situation where my child was sent to a school um, in a language that that he wasn't uh, comfortable in. I I do understand many people are attending school that are not in their first language, but you should have that decision, um, be able to make that decision yourself. Um, I'm interested to hear if if any of those people there, I think that that lady you spoke to, have not received placements at all. Because what the um, MEC is saying, is that they have received placements but they just don't like them. Are there people who haven't received placements at all? Absolutely, Mandy. We did speak to uh, um, a mother here who has been here since 7 o'clock in the morning. Um, In fact, at one point she told me that she's taken leave off for the entire week because she understands the kind of fight she's going to have to put up essentially at these district offices. Now she says to us, Mandy, according to her, um, that her child was not placed um, uh, after putting down a selection of three schools, ultimately those schools were, you know, filled up. Of course, the pressure of the very, uh, you know, limited schools that we have in Gauteng, given the number and the population of people as well as children that require education in the province, those cracks are beginning to show because this parent is saying, I don't actually have a placement whatsoever 
for my child. I was told to wait for seven, you know, for seven days. A week went by and so forth up until this moment in time where she's saying, can I know where my child will go to school? Can I please buy a uniform? And of course, Mandy, you also need to understand that, you know, there is that excitement of back to school. And the parents here, Mandy, that are in these snaking queues under this, you know, this heat and this frustration are missing out essentially on that back to school joy. They don't know, of course, how to prep their children uh, because their kids are in limbo and they don't have those answers either. Sure, so much anxiety, Veronica. Thank you very much, Veronica Mahaudi, EWN reporter. She is out there at the district offices. And if, if you are in this situation, and I know this happens every year, it is like a stuck record every year. It's like the same cycle when it comes to, to back to school. If you are in this situation and you are listening to us, please send me a WhatsApp voice note. Let me know what your experience has been. 072-702-1702. That's the situation in Gauteng. We'll go to the Western Cape uh, in a second because we now have and the Western Cape opening schools on the same day, which is uh, unusual. Uh, but already lots of people reacting to uh, what the MEC has had to say. Uh, good morning, Bongani. Uh, I've... Good morning, Bongani. Sorry about that. It looks like um, our WhatsApp system is also getting ready for school tomorrow and hasn't really thought its way through the process. You know, maybe it's like the um, education uh, website and online admissions system. It's also trying to get placements of WhatsApp voice notes. Hi, Mindy. You know, as blacks, we don't like to complain. It may sound like the GDE online is affecting few parents or children. The GDE online is placing children far away from where they stay so that the likes of MEC Chiloani can benefit from bus tenders. They keep on increasing bus tenders, placing kids far away outside the school feeder zones. Look, uh, I mean... uh, uh understand that, that that it's easy to speculate around something like that but i think that it's also um apartheid spatial planning and the fact that there aren't enough schools that are in urban areas and they're still building schools in urban areas so people wanted to go to better schools uh, and this is interesting right let's have a listen to this tweet from panyazala sufi the Gauteng premier who used to be of course the education mec he also used to be the spokesperson for angie motseko when she was the education mec in the province and And he's tweeted today, one country, one matric examination. In a few weeks' time, all our matriculants will be in the same lecture rooms, in the same varsity or college. Why are they still writing different matric exams as IEB or NSC? Is a matter that must be attended to. Everything is the same besides the name of the exam. The pass mark is the same. The curriculum is the same. The standard bearer is the same, Umalusi. We can't continue to separate exams on the basis of class. The rich, semi-rich and poor having different matric examinations. All our children should write the same examination like they do at universities or colleges. It's about time. So that's what Pariyaz Sufi has tweeted about matric exams. But when there is a, such a disparity, there is such a distinction between private schools and the quality of education in government schools. Not all. There are some excellent government schools, I have to say. So I don't think it's fair to, to draw that distinction entirely. But what do you think about this? Is this like the NHI? Do we live in a socialist state? Do you think that everybody should be writing the same exams? And then when it comes to people wanting different schools, how do you expect them to then want the same exams as well. What are your thoughts on that? 
702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk. So let's have a, a look at the situation in the Western Cape now because, as I said, the Western Cape also getting ready to open schools for the academic year tomorrow. Uh, the Education Department in the Western Cape saying it's all systems go for the academic year to get underway. We know in the past there have been issues as well with uh, just a, a population increase in the Western Cape. Yes, the same is the, the situation in Gauteng. I understand that. Um, but in the Western Cape, you're also seeing big movement from the Eastern Cape uh, into the Western Cape. And the MEC has raised concerns about this in the past. Uh, so let's have a listen to what the Western Cape Education Minister, um, MEC, David Mania, says about readiness ahead of tomorrow. We are looking forward to welcoming our learners back to school on Wednesday the 17th of January 2024. Our department and schools have been hard at work preparing for schools to reopen, procuring 49 million in textbooks, 24 million in stationery, 17.5 million rand in furniture and 2 million rand in equipment. So it's all systems go for the new school year. Our officials and contractors have also been working throughout the holiday to deliver 10 new schools and hundreds of extra classrooms for new learners in 2024. And we appeal for patience as we finalize the remaining placements of new applicants. We wish our learners, teachers, parents, and officials a happy and successful New Year, academic year, I imagine, David Mania. Um, he's also been speaking about school admissions. Let's hear what he has to say about that. Before schools closed last year, we announced that we had been able to allocate places for 99.43% of learners for whom applications were received for grade one and grade eight for the 2024 school year. However, since that date, and while schools have been closed for the holidays, we have received new applications for learners whose parents had not previously applied, and we anticipate receiving many more in the coming weeks. We have already received 609 new extremely late applications in the first 10 days of January 2024, and placement is currently in progress for 2,636 grade one and grade eight learners. That is the Education MEC, David Mania in the Western Cape. Let us know if you agree with what he's saying. Send us a WhatsApp voice note if you are having a different experience to that. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. Well, long-standing DA Gauteng MPL Kume Ramolifo has quit the Democratic Alliance. He's uh, set to join Rise Mzanzi. Uh, Kume has uh, been in the Democratic Alliance for 25 years. He's been speaking about why he's decided to do this. Of course, we are in, in election years. So there's lots of movement happening. Uh, he's made some comments around John Steenhuizen's leadership, um, around uh, what what else motivated him. And uh, Kume Ramolifo joining us now to explain that. Kume, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. Why have you decided to leave the DA? Yeah, thank you, Mendy, and also to 702 listeners. Uh, I am of the belief that uh, I, my contribution to the DA has come to an end. I can't uh, contribute further than what I've done. Uh, I think the turn or the direction which the party is currently now taking is no longer what uh, you know, influenced my decision to join the party 25 years ago. When I joined, there was the thinking that we need to build a new majority, uh, ensure that the DA grow, 
and as you have noticed, uh, since I've joined, uh, the party was also in a, you know, uh, an increasing mode, uh, which came to a standstill uh, in 2019 and then again uh, dropped uh, decimal in 2021. And again, it's issue of approaches. Uh, but uh, before then, you know, we used to engage, uh, reflect what needs to be done, how we need to go about mm. it, looking at areas where the growth needs to be made. And now the party is of the view that uh, we need to prioritize areas where the DA got 50% of votes. And uh, if you look at my constituency, which is Soweto, where it's Middlelands, Bamfisha, uh, you know, Slow, I mean, Snake Park, uh, Ville, that area would only have 50% of votes. So I won't be doing anything. I was supposed to right. for the selection panel, and I decided that uh, no, I can't continue with this. Uh, I want to contribute to building an inclusive society where we go all over, and make sure that, uh, you know, mm. the common cause which we have as a country uh, right. is shared across the board. Uh, Kume, you personally have uh, uh, lobbied, or not lobbied, you, you've, you've made yourself available for leadership positions within the Democratic Alliance. Um, you were unsuccessful in those, uh, which does open the door for your critics to say that, that you perhaps don't see a, a future for yourself in the DA for those reasons. Does that it's not have... the first time. Eh? I've not stood for election once. Twice. No, you stood lost. for election twice. No, I'm saying I stood for elections uh, several times and lost, and I never left. Remember, I also stood for... But have, you reached, have you reached the point where you've said, well, clearly, this is not for me because I don't have a position here in terms of, of leadership? No, it's not, it's not all about position because uh, I have got a lot of roles which I've been playing in the party. Uh, but equally, that also goes with the direction with which the party is taking because you can come with ideas and then when people say, no, it's good ideas, but then they do nothing and they can't come up with anything and that's it. You know, we used to rely on the provincial council, especially in Gauteng, to take decisions which we then advance at federal council level. Uh, one, you know, you know, can't even recall last time when we got provincial council. It's a part of the statutory uh, structure which we have to advance our cause. And equally, you know, even when uh, at some instances where federal disagree with counting position, but when we're able to advance our, our cause, then, you know, they will then buy into that and say, counting can, you know, be given an exclusive opportunity to try what they're coming up with and go for it. That moment or that opportunity is not there anymore mm. because we are also no longer using our own structures. And I said, even the issue of robustness, you know, you go to your federal council, you expect robustness yep. and hold each other accountable. But it's no longer there anymore. That's why I feel like uh, the, I can't feel it. The words that, that you, you used were there's a lack of motivation, no energy, no inspiring leadership. It's a dead organization. What do you mean by that? Oh, it was, it was stagnated. If you check, you know, uh, a year leading up to elections, you know, you should be attracting more people coming your way. Uh, people who never showed interest to be in politics. But, uh, you know, especially after you have done with all your congresses, uh, you know, you must be like seeing by ordinary South Africans saying, here we are, we're going to join you. We can feel, we can hear, uh, we share the values, we share your vision, uh, we're, we're joining you. We have not had that. We have missed that, in, I think, in 2016 or before 2016. So you can't go to election without a vibe, you know. But that opportunity, it seems like it has gone. That tells you about stagnation. Is, it, uh, is there a vibe at, at, at Rise Mzanzi? Is that where you're headed? Yeah, I'm heading to Rise Mzanzi, but I'm going to work on the ground and make sure that I, you know, do my work on the ground like I've done when I started the party. Because people do forget that 
VAD didn't start where it is now. You know, we started when we don't even have numbers, didn't even have structures, not even a single person. But, you know, the commitment, the passion uh, drove some of us to make sure that uh, it is where it is today. And I'm going to do the same, uh, put the same efforts to Morais Muzanzi, uh, you know, uh, and I hope that, uh, you know, very soon, uh, Rise Muzanzi will be shining and be what that, that organization which is growing, representing, uh, you know, an inclusive society uh, as a whole in South Africa. Kume, thank you very much for making time to speak to us. Uh, best of luck on your political career. Kume Ramoli for the former long-standing DA Gauteng MPL who has now left the Democratic Alliance and will be joining Rise Mzanzi. Of course, the default narrative is always, is it race motivated? I know that. Um, and he's saying that it is because it is a dead organization. There's no vibe. There's no growth. What do you think about that? I'm sure the DA uh, will have views on that as well. WhatsApp Mandy on 072 702 1702. I'm a frustrated parent who's been trying to get my child into a school which is three kilometers from my home ever since she's grade eight. She's grade 11 now, and um, I still can't get my child into that school. I pay the rates and taxes in this area. I make sure that the roads are fine, that the running water is here. And my kid can't get into a school which is close by. I was forced to put my child into a, a malfunctioning private school um, across the, the highway. So this is really, really frustrating for us parents. Hi, I totally agree that all students in South Africa should write the same exam. Not the National Senior Certificate. Every student should be given a chance to write IEB. It is recognized everywhere around the world and people know that that's the best curriculum. That's why they send their children to their schools. It, what is good for the goose is good for the gander. Everybody should be writing IEB. Ah, Mandy, these politicians, they look where they will benefit, uh, where they see uh, uh, they're not uh, uh, benefiting anything. Uh, Ah, uh, they leave. Otherwise, he is telling the truth. It, yeah, I don't know. They are flat, flat, really flat. Yeah, it doesn't look like they are going to an election. They are really flat. So on this issue of uh, Kumera Malifo and what he said about the Democratic Alliance, Anonymous uh, on the WhatsApp line says, race is the default argument because the DA can't seem to retain people of colour in leadership positions. All those members who jumped ship can't be wrong. And I say this as a DA voter, by the way. And then lots of reaction to the MEC and placements. On that first WhatsApp voice note, you are so right. I agree with you. If you pay, pay rates and taxes in your area and you want your kid to go to a school in your area, I understand that. Of course you want your kid to go to a school in your area. And every year the same thing happens and the same people are frustrated. And then the MEC uh, or the department says, oh, but, you know, apartheid spatial planning and we haven't been able to build enough schools. So I'm sorry, you have to go far away, but we'll give you transport. So that's okay. Um, Mrs. Peggy Awesome says, this is unfortunately the usual symptom of Lesufis messing around with people's choices. A reaction there to what Panyaza Lasufi has tweeted about the fact that everybody should be writing the same exams. Um, and the person who said everybody should be writing IEB, well, I do not think that uh, the ANC government will agree with that. Others saying, well, at least IEB, you get to, to use it internationally because it's internationally accredited. I just do not.
not see a situation where everybody in the country writes the same matric exams. But this is also a symptom of the fact that so much of, of what the state is delivering has essentially been privatized. And it's why people are paying to go to private schools, because the quality of education at some government schools, not all, as I said earlier, is just not up to standard. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. We have been speaking about the weather situation in KwaZulu-Natal. There are some warnings for uh, thunderstorms again in Gauteng, also in uh, KZN, the South African Weather Service issuing a warning of additional disruptive rains that could potentially lead to localised flooding in KZN. There were floods at the weekend on Friday, uh, claimed the lives of 11 people. So let's get a sense of what's happening now with Siboniso Mgadi, KZN Cogta spokesperson who joins us again. Siboniso, good afternoon afternoon to you. Yesterday, I think it was yesterday when we spoke, um, you, you spoke about the fact that you were still busy with tr- trying to assess the damage and now there are concerns about more rain. What What is the situation there? Yeah, uh, we've noted the, uh, um, the warning from South African Weather Services. Uh, as per the norm, our teams will remain on high alert uh, to try and save lives where we, we can. Uh, we are all also still busy with assessment. As I'm talking to you right now, we are in the area of Bakersfield, uh, visiting another family that uh, lost uh, three of their family members after their car was washed away during uh, December, and then they were also uh, they were only discovered uh, on last Saturday. We are assisting families, providing relief, also assisting them in terms of uh, preparation to bury their loved ones. But also our teams are in different areas uh, doing assessment. Number of schools have also been affected. Uh, we're working together with various departments in terms of uh, ensuring that we try and uh, normalize the situation. Those that have lost uh, important uh, documents such as IP, SASA, and Home Affairs are on the ground also trying to assist those families. Uh, the Department of Education is also attending to the matters of schools. Uh, making use of the mobile classroom because we have so far counted over 30 schools that have been affected by heavy rains during the uh, December uh, holidays. So we are continuing to with the disaster relief, but then we we will use make use of uh, evacuate people where we uh, foresee danger so that we ensure that we do not uh, lose more lives uh, during this uh, coming rains. Siboniso, thank you very much. Uh, Siboniso Mgadi, KZN Cogta spokesperson, just giving us an update there. Of course, schools open as well, so there is an impact there. Um, there are still searches as well for people who are missing and concerns about the fact that there is uh, that there is just more bad weather coming for KZN. 702, the midday report, Monday to Friday, 12 to 1 p.m. Well, speaking of, of water in a different sense, uh, Minister Senzo Mkuno is leading a two-day Water Services Authority Summit in response to the outcome of the Blue and No Drop Reports and Green Drop Progress Assessment Report released in December. So that summit is being attended by the various water services authorities across the country. Uh, it's reviewing those reports and the Minister will be joined by the Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs as well. So let's get an update on that with Dr. Sean Phillips, who is the Water and Sanitation Director General. Dr. Phillips, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for for your time. Uh, This uh, summit is reviewing the water drop reports. What is the intention uh, and what do you hope to achieve? Thanks, uh, Mandy, and good afternoon to your listeners. 
The intention is firstly to um, present the detailed results to all the water services authorities and to make sure that each water services authority is familiar um, with the results for their municipality. Uh, we're going to divide the water services authorities into groups based on their performance. So the excellent and good performing municipalities will be in one group and the poor and the municipalities with generally poor critical performing systems will be in another group. And we, we uh, want to facilitate a process where there's a thorough discussion of the causes, particularly of, of critical or poor performance and, the, and uh, what needs to be done to address it. And also, uh, particularly for the poor and critical municipalities, what, if necessary, what kind of fundamental changes could be introduced uh, to reverse, to stop and reverse the decline in water and sanitation services? Uh, as your statement says, action plans will be developed in these various groups, as, as you've explained. There's always the concern um, that it could be a, a talk shop. So is the intention then to, to come out of this with very specific plans of action that you will be able to implement? And Mandy, uh, each municipality in terms of the Municipal Systems Act needs to develop their own plan, each water services authority. What we're going to do in the summit is um, develop uh, frameworks for them to produce their individual plans and we're going to ask them to uh, give us their action plans by the end of February. But the, the, the aim of the summit is to collectively um, agree on what are the main causes. Why why do we have a situation of, of deteriorating water and sanitation services and what needs to be done about it? And if fundamental institutional changes are required, what kind of changes could those be? We also want uh, to facilitate a process where the poor and critical performing municipalities learn lessons from the good and excellent performing municipalities. Um, they, there are certain things that the good and excellent performing municipalities are doing that are common across them um, and um, which, which result in their, in their excellent performance. And this provides an opportunity for that to be shared with the poor and critical municipalities and for them to, to get an understanding of what are the, the key issues that need to be addressed, which include, for example, hiring staff with the right qualifications, sufficient staff with the right qualifications, budgeting sufficiently for the maintenance of the infrastructure, having proper processes for the testing of water. There's uh, legal requirements for water quality testing, um, making sure that all the tests are done as they're supposed to be done, informing their public if the, if the tests indicate that the, that the drinking water fails to meet the quality standards. So we find when we analyze the results that the excellent performing municipalities are doing these key critical things, and the aim of the summit is for this to be shared with all the municipalities so that they, as they go away and develop their individual uh, action plans to address the results, the poor performing municipalities have a clear mm -hmm. idea of what needs to be done to, to achieve similar good or excellent performance. Dr. Phillips, while I have you, I would like to ask you a, a specific question and um, you weren't warned about this, so I apologise. And, and if, if you aren't able to answer, I understand. Um, but regarding the integrated Vol River system, which does supply water to, to almost 20 million people in Gauteng and the Free State, uh, in the last uh, a couple of weeks, there have been concerns around the, the hyacinth, the, the water lettuce um, that is, is coming up, um, which may impact on the drinking water for for Gauteng. Is that something that your department is, is seized with? Yes, it is. 
Um, But the problem is not unique to the integrated Vile River system. The Greenbelt report showed that um, over 60% of municipal wastewater treatment works are not functioning properly and are putting uh, insufficiently treated sewage into the rivers. Um, So it's happening all over the country um, in most municipalities. so that when that happens, it means that the, the water in the rivers is polluted, which is dangerous um, for the environment and to uh, animal life in the rivers. And it's also dangerous for people who, who come into contact with that raw water because water polluted by sewage um, uh, is known, for example, to be a risk in terms of diseases such as cholera. But um, we don't drink that, that water as it is. That water is then drawn from the rivers by municipalities and treated in water treatment works. So where municipalities have well-functioning water treatment works, they treat the water properly, they disinfect the water, and then it's provided. So the residents in Gauteng who are getting water um, from the Baal River system are getting good quality water, which is properly treated by Rand Water. Um, and and the, 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 the effect of the, of the wastewater pollution of, of the rivers is dealt with by the treatment of the water by groundwater. But I imagine that uh, if you're looking at an action plan, you'd be looking at trying to resolve the issue of the sewerage in, in the rivers in the first place. Absolutely. So the action plans must address the blue drop and the green drop results. The green drop results is the assessment of the performance of the wastewater treatment systems of all the municipalities. So those municipalities who scored poorly in terms of their wastewater treatment systems, which means that they're that the, the effluent coming out of the wastewater treatment works doesn't meet the required standards and is resulting in, in pollution of the rivers. Those municipalities must have action plans for how they're going to address uh, the situation and improve the performance of their wastewater treatment works. Dr. Sean Phillips, thank you so much for your time. The Water and Sanitation Director General speaking to us there about the summit currently underway for the country's 144 water services authorities. Where are they? They are meeting. They are discussing the green drop, the blue drop and the no drop reports uh, and uh, are coming up with action plans. And that's crucial, right? Making sure that something is actually done where it needs to be done. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Good afternoon, Mandy. Uh, the resignation of uh, Kumaramulif, uh, it's long overdue. Under his leadership as a Soweto North constituency, there was membership decline, wards were collapsing under his leadership, so good readings that he resigned. Okay, this is Trevor from Four Ways. Uh, this online system thing, it's not working. Uh, I've been trying to get a school for my daughter for the past two years, and they place her in schools that are far, uh, schools that I don't want, and you know, that doesn't work because we look at the radius and you know at some schools when you go they they say they like uh you cannot apply at the school directly you have to go via the online system so the online system it does not work the government should just scrap that thing out please we must just record the show today and then next year the day before school we'll just replay it again okay because the same thing will happen again and we'll talk about the same thing again 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk.
So we were just speaking to the uh, Water Department Director General about the situation with drinking water and uh, that comes at the same time as there are two cases of cholera that have been detected in Limpopo that seem to be imported from Zimbabwe. The Department of Health saying the first case is a 43-year-old male who tested positive in the Musina district. Well, let's find out more about that with Foster Mohale, who is the Department of Health spokesperson. Foster, good afternoon to you. What do we know about these two cases of cholera and have they been contained? Good afternoon to you, Mandy, and good afternoon to your listeners and thanks for this opportunity. Yeah, what we know about the two cases is that uh, these are imported cases, uh, meaning that uh, the people were, did not get infected from South Africa, but from across the border, the neighboring country of Zimbabwe. So the first case is a truck driver who traveled between uh, South Africa and Zimbabwe. So the second case is someone who stayed in Zimbabwe, but is working also in the country. So the, uh, the first case uh, admitted that the, he attended the funeral uh, the past two weeks uh, in Zimbabwe. And three of his friends who also attended the same funeral, they also tested positive for cholera. So that also gave us, uh, 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 I mean, that threatened our case that uh, initially as it was a suspected case, uh, but the results uh, came back positive. So, but the good thing is that both of them, they cooperated, they co- cooperated with our health officials. They provided us uh, their travel history that assisted us to confirm that this indeed are confirmed imported cases. And uh, you, you've able to, to contain that. There's no other concern um, that there may have been some kind of contamination with water. Uh, you're confident that it's just these two isolated cases. Yeah, based on the travel uh, history, uh, like the truck driver admitted that, uh, you know, the truck driver, they travel long distance. Sometimes they stop and rest along the filling station just to buy and also use the bathroom. But he said uh, uh, he hasn't used the bathroom uh, along the freeway N1 from between Musina and Velcom and Free State where he was transporting the goods. So, But with the other one, he did uh, say that he has been uh, in other places. So we've uh, contacted all the identified uh, contacts that they came into contact with uh, tried to ensure that uh, I check them uh, for the symptoms of uh, mm. cholera. But as we know that uh, for one to someone can get infected with cholera today, the symptoms can be visible at least 12 hours, uh, between 12 right. hours and five days. Foster, thank you so much uh, for that. Foster Mohale, the Department of Health spokesperson, just explaining the situation with those two cases of a cholera in Limpopo. 702, the midday report, Monday to Friday, 12 to 1 p.m. So Trevor Noah won an Emmy last night and people have described this like winning the World Cup because in terms of art and culture, it is like winning the World Cup. It's the first time that show has received this prestigious award. It's the first time that a black man has won in that category as well. And we know that Trevor Noah left The Daily Show in 2022. His final episode uh, aired in uh, in December. Um, but this is just awesome. Have a listen to Trevor Noah winning that Emmy. Here are the nominees for Outstanding Talk Series. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Jimmy Kimmel Live. Late Night with Seth Meyers. The Late Show with Stephen Favell. The Problem with Jon Stewart. Okay, and the Emmy goes to... The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah received three nominations this year. Accepting the Emmy on behalf of the team is Trevor Noah. 
Oh, wow. I told you. I told you we would beat John Oliver if he wasn't in our category. We did it. We got rid of John Oliver. Yo, um, really quick. I'm, I'm so glad everybody's coming up here. Can, can I just say, this, this story has been so long. It's been so crazy. It's been so wonderful. I start by thanking the crazy Africans who followed me to this country. Uh, David Kibuka, Joseph Opio, thank you so much. David Meyer, my partner in crime. And then the writers and the team, Roy Wood Jr. from the very beginning. Uh, Jordan Klepper, whose flight got canceled. The showrunner of Jen Flans. This woman rode with me through the trenches. Thank you so much to the team, to everyone who gave us an opportunity. And, and honestly, the person I always thank, because he, he's just a crazy genius for thinking of it. Hey, John Stewart, where, 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 wherever you are, my friend, thank you for calling me up. Thank you for asking me to come and join you on this crazy journey. And thank you to everybody else in this category. Thank you to these people. We did it, baby. We did it. Well done, Trevor Noah, and all the crazy Africans who followed you on your journey. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Good day, Mandy. What the minister is saying is totally untrue. They are placing kids at schools that they want, that parents did not apply to. For example, I have a child. They've placed them in a township school, whereas I specifically chose schools that are in, in, in our feeder area. It's not far from where we stay. It's less than 15 kilometers away from the school. So, But then they come back and they still operate as the apartheid government where they're saying all people who live in the township should go to schools in townships. Lots of people taking issue with uh, this uh, argument that, that apartheid spatial planning has an impact on, on where children are, are, are sent to, to schools. And this is always an issue. And we've got the MEC saying, no, we've put placements and the parents don't like the placements. And that's why it is um, causing this blockage in the system. But there's always concerns around placements where people are just not getting the schools that they want. But at the same time, there are just just not enough positions in urban schools or in the, the schools that parents want. So how do you fix that problem? It is perpetual. The same thing happens every single year. The Midday Report. So just to tell you about what's happening a bit later today. So the David Teager controversy, uh, the captain of the former captain, shall I say, of the under-19 World Cup team, that controversy is continuing because uh, today there is a meeting between the South African Jewish Board of Deputies and Cricket South Africa. And there's going to be a press conference. That meeting was called by Cricket South Africa. It started at 12 o'clock today to discuss the decision to strip uh, the uh, under-19 cricket player David Teager of the captain's so at 1.30, so that's in half an hour, there will be a press conference giving an update on that.